0: We thinking about coming into his, his presence. Quite a fitting song for this chapter. And I can't help but think about the line about them, them bones. You know, there's a story in Scripture about them bones. It says that them bones was in really the grave and somebody else died and they got thrown up in the grave next to them bones and it brought forth life. And I just wonder, as we come together for worship, like... How many of us maybe came this morning dead, but we got close to somebody who had some power within in their bones, and it brought forth some life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you don't understand the value of you being so spiritually empowered and so spiritually full of what you can do for the man or woman sitting next to you. And I don't think that's a bad thing, right? To, to get spiritually contagious? You know what I'm saying? To get, get a little bit of an excitement going on, Oh, you know, I mean, all of y'all came in today, other than this one row hating this guy wearing his jersey. <laughs> we are united against the evil. <laughs> his own life is leaving him out. You see what the power of unity against something can do? <laughs> Isaiah 40, 31. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I hope QB wins. He got an awesome story coming back from the bench during That's a whole different story. But but here's the thing: like like we're united, but that's a why can't we be united we really good? You know why don't we get more excited when somebody brings up the only person in here that should have been excited about Tammy having her arteries cleaned up, ready to go is Dave because Dave's old can't hang with her now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like she's fresh, and ready to roll. He's just an old dude trying to, trying to <laughs> hang with a <his> young body. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep you awake, I promise. When you get to this chapter right here, here's where you got to go. For. Here's what you got to understand. Solomon's been trying a bunch of stuff. If you haven't to with us, you need to, you need to check out a bunch of, a bunch of these messages in this series. I'm not going to lie, I'm only going to do about seven or eight verses a day. Now, that don't mean you're getting up early. That just means I wanted to focus on, on, the, on the second part of it. The Lord slapped me in the head and said, hey, we're going to focus on the first part of it. And maybe that's because last week we talked about money and possessions and oppression and that kind of stuff. Maybe that's this guy got some totally different player for next week that I don't know about yet. But, I, but I'm going to keep us where so he told us to keep us. So I look at the beginning of this thing and I look at Solomon, a guy who's trying all kinds of stuff. He's tried possession, he's tried buying stuff, he's tried having women, he's tried having people, he's he's tried wisdom, he's tried all this stuff, and nothing's worked. So he gets to chapter 5, and here's what's even cooler: This is the guy who's responsible for building the temple. You know, before this guy builds it, well, of course, daddy had the inspiration to collect and save all the funds so that his son could build the temple. There wasn't one. There's a tabernacle, which, which Ben and Joshua's going to study a little bit more as we go through maybe some of that stuff. You know, but, but it wasn't the same. And, and it's not the same after it gets destroyed once and it gets rebuilt. It's not the same after it gets destroyed again by the Romans in 70 AD and, and it ain't the same right now. But for this guy, he built this place. He took 183,000 workers to build this place. Go back and study Kings, and and, and and where he starts to go, it's like 183,000 workers to build one building. So much reverence for the building that, that no noise was made in the building when it's getting built. Like like you had to go off and do the the useless noise of chiseling and hammering and and molding and shaping and making. And then when it's brought here, it's, it's put together in the right way. Solomon thinks about this building, he thinks about the years that he took building, and he says, you know what, I've been trying all this stuff, I'm going to try me some religion, because ain't nothing else been working, money ain't work, I don't know if he tried drugs and alcohol, but I'm sure he tried food, the best steaks, the best, the best cooks he could get, he brought in, he's, he's, tried, he's tried all this stuff, and that's where he says, I'm going to try religion, and here's the problem when he tries religion, he goes to the temple that he's responsible for building, and he sits probably in his little special seat, and he looks out. And he sees a bunch of pretenders. And for a guy who doesn't <laughs> even know what for sure he believes about eternity and the promises of God, he sits in this this special seat, absor- observing, not absorbing, observing people. And he begins to shake his head. And he says, "They're phonies. They're pretenders. They're missing." Here's a guy who ain't even got it that knows that other people's missing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, how bad does a group have to be that the guy who ain't got it understands that the group who thinks they got it is actually missing it? See, he ain't got a problem with religion. He's got a problem with the religious. He's got a problem with people. And the justification these people think they got with what they think they got. It's kind of like this. You can say people who are on an airplane and people who sit in church pews or church stairs today have a whole lot in common. And if you've never been on a plane, then you may not understand a lot of this, but, but for the rest of us that have been on planes, plane, you'll understand we have a lot of common. We're all on a journey. we all just trying to get somewhere. Hopefully, everybody on your plane and in your pew or in your chair is well-behaved, because if not, you get a flight delay. Hopefully, they're, they're presentable. Just like on a plane, some people are dozing off. Some people, while their eyes may be awake, are in a mindless trace. A trance, you could call it, I guess. Some people are just gazing out the window. Some, if not all, are just satisfied to have a predictable experience. See, we title a good flight and we title a good worship service with the same way. Think about when you get to lunch and you run into friends from other churches and they say, how was church today? You're going to say, it was nice. It was nice. It was a nice worship experience. They had, a, they had a nice new song. It had nice words to it. It made me feel nice. <laughs> How was your flight? It was nice. The flight attendant was nice. The, the pilot did a good job. We went a whole lot of turbulence. It, it, was, it was nice. We didn't crash, so that's that's a pretty good sign, right? It was nice. We exit the same way we entered. We're unmoved, we're unchanged, we're unaltered, except for at a different time when we walk out the door. And we're happy just to return again the next time and do it all again. Your expectations for the flight don't change. You're happy just to just get back on another plane, get back to another destination. You're happy to come back to church and experience the same things just to do it all over again because of the you enter a church sanctuary, pray not this one all the time, but at least others, and you look at the faces of people, and you'll see a few giggles. You'll see a couple that's, that's cranky, but by and large, you'll see a lot of people that's just, they're just content. They're just content. I watched Hazel down there twirling. You know, you put a little dress on a little girl, and they just want to twirl, man. I thought about putting a dress on myself just to see if it the same. I just want to know, like, is there something about like the dress that makes you want to want to twirl? I'm going to try one more time and then try it out. But I watch her, she's twirling here, but she don't even know. She don't even know how awesome this next part is. Because while she's twirling, mid-twirl, she pauses, and there's like five or six girls standing right there. Now, what she don't know, because she's two, three, two. Because she's only two years old, is the five or six girls she's looking at is a bunch of dancers. Like legit dancers. Like some of them got put in a special school because of their dancing. Like they go to competitions to dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they had a party last night and united themselves so that they're better for dancing. So why she's twirling? Hey, bike down, everybody talking to y'all, we're talking about y'all. Right? <laughs> dancers. And then you're stuck. See, you're stuck with somebody who knows what you're doing. They know how to do it. better. You, do I keep doing it? <coughs> or do I just stop and try to hide? <laughs> so she's mid twirl, watching them. Like, what do I do now? And she, not knowingly, says, I'm going to show them how to do it for real. <laughs> so she twirls even harder. <laughs> right? And I just wonder sometimes... What about us? What about us? Are we content to just have a mundane, nice service? It, it's almost like this. It, it, it's, that, it's that we come, and, and, and it's not that, that, that we got to. It's not that we got to experience worship. It's that we we got to endure worship. You know the difference. Oh, we we made it through those songs. Thank goodness, right? Some of y'all, some of y'all, it ain't even just about music, by the way. Which I'll get to it in a minute. Some of y'all, say, well, we, we made it through every bad word you didn't know how to say. <laughs> Not those kind of bad words, just hard words I can't pronounce. Right? We, we survived. We, we made it through it. But a few, there's a few of you came this morning. There's a few of you don't mind that, man, you wanted some more. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you bumped into me in the hallway and you asked if I was ready, and I turned around and said, "Are you ready?" And you responded, "Well, bring it." That was really this morning. That ain't even nothing made up. You know what I'm saying? Look, like some of us was ready to experience the worship rather than endure the worship. Some of us was excited. Some of us understood the destination of worship is to meet with God. (coughs) Solomon, unfortunately, he sits on that seat, he watches these people, and he knows what they're missing, but he don't go get it himself either. It's the saddest thing I can imagine to know that somebody else is missing it and for you not to go get it. Some of you just needed them, them bones to fire you up and let you get what somebody else has got. Right? It's a journey. And just like any journey, just like your plane ride we're talking about, if we don't make the proper preparations, this going to be a miserable trip. <laughs> and this is what Solomon begins to realize, man. He goes, if you want a memorable, not a mundane trip, then, then you got to have a flight check. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't know if any of you have ever been on a trip. If you ain't been on a plane, maybe you've been on a vacation or or got to go somewhere. That's what chapter 5 is. It's it's that travel demands preparation. What are you going to do to get ready for the trip? What kind of excitement do you have for? What kind of pre-flight instructions? You're about to encounter, at least supposedly, you're going to encounter the God of the universe. And I don't need none of you. I'm looking at this completely from Solomon's point of view. The only one of y'all on the back porch selling passion in the new testament we are the church the spirit reigns inside of us and so we don't have to go to church i ain't never met a true believer that don't go <laughs> not saying you got to be a believer to go but i ain't never met a believer that don't go Amen. you understand the difference yeah. all right just just throwing that out there for a free one so that i don't have to embarrass you on the porch if you come out that. <laughs> <laughs> here's what's huge here's what's huge though in scripture when we get Thing, we're not only told that it's important to worship God, the right God, we're told that it's important to worship the right God in the right way. So, Solomon's going to get a little deeper as he goes into chapter 5 and understand understand it that it ain't just part of singing, that's just a part of it. Worship is this Godward life reverence of a devotion to Him, it's receiving Him and then wanting to get a, a kingdom attitude about everything else. It's putting on his eyes and his goggles and looking at everything through his his point of view, so that you see stuff. You begin to see your problems his way. Amen. You see your solutions his way. You see his joys about things that's coming your way. Right? Solomon writes about all this stuff about coming into the house. His music. He's concerned about what's happening on the inside before you ever even begin to get dressed. Well, what's happening on the inside before you begin to sing the songs? He's going back to First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse seven. Where in the second part of it, this says, the Lord all caps. So Yahweh, my daddy, does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but, but the Lord, he's looking at the heart. He's checking out the inside of a man to see what's going on. And Solomon thinks about that because he would have known it. And, and as he thinks about that, he then thinks of this thing that kicks it all off, and he says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps. I, I couldn't leave that place this <laughs> Like, I had so many of my ideas, and then, then, this is what happened when you get in trouble, like, if you study. Because then I found out in 1960-something, I can't remember the date, they actually found the southern entrance to the temple. And the southern entrance to the temple, they found the stairways that led to the temple. And what they found was the steps were perfectly designed and made to be uneven in distance. One was like 12 inches, another was 36 inches, another one was staggered here, and another one was staggered there. And I'm sitting there looking at this thing and, and reading this and trying to understand. And, and then I, I, I get into what Solomon's writing. He says, guard guard your steps. And I'm like, all right, there's, there's a literal meaning here when he says guard your steps. And the literal meaning is people, when they went to the temple, if they came through the southern entrance, at least, I don't know about the other entrances, they had to slow down. They had to cautiously... Watch when they were walking. It wasn't this giant, big old staircase that you could just run up and free for all. And you remember when you was a little kid, your mom used to say, don't run in church. They took it to the extreme where they designed church so the kid couldn't run there. (laughs) Right? But but, but more so. Because if you've got to cautiously think about the way you're walking into something, you've got to look at the steps and, and all this kind of stuff. Now you've got to slow down and think about, like, where am I going? But then it brings forth another question. Why am I going? So that I can get a nice experience like I had last week. Or is it so that you can get more? Or so that you can receive more? The worshiper is required to slow down to contemplate where he's going. There's a quote this week that says this fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. Huh? Let me, one more time. Yeah. I think you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> fruitful not mine by the way not smart enough to word it like this fruitful and acceptable worship begins before I'll say God maybe we just need to slow down maybe instead of trying to rush through it so we can get a nice experience and get out we need to slow down we need to grab as much of it as we can. We need to contemplate where we're going, while we're going, while we're in the house of God, and examine our hearts and figure this thing out. Maybe we need to do some flight, bro, so that our experience is more than just a mundane, nice flight that we made through, but we actually enjoy. We come in an approach to, to worship God in this worship way. When we enter His house, that here's what happens. If we did it before we did it, that where there's sin, confession's already started. You imagine start confessing before you ever even made it? You imagine realizing that you you, you can confess before you made it to the altar? I don't know how many of you guys remember Bobby Gessling. He, he died a few years ago, well, I guess, more not now, but but anyway, I'll never forget his moment he got saved. Rough guy, I didn't know him before, by the way. And he would say the same thing but with a smile on his face because he was proud of the change that, that was brought forth, right? But but he had this idea that he was going to get saved before the preacher even started preaching the Sunday that he wouldn't get saved. Hear well, I guess you can't hear his testimony yet. If you make it happen, you get to talk to him. Maybe you get to hear his testimony. And he'll tell you about this, this moment where, like, he realized something. He goes, I'm going to church this morning to get saved. Now, we could argue all day long that he got saved and he had that thought and you can do all your little religious mumbo jumbo all you want to do. But, but the fact was this. He wasn't listening for a certain song. He wasn't listening for a certain sermon. He wasn't listening. He had made a decision before he entered the door that run down the altar the minute the opportunity came up. Amen. He made the decision before it began. And I think about that, and of course he learned years later that he had to wake on the altar call, but that's sometimes the attitude when you worship, is it not? God, I'm coming this morning like like expecting you to do something I can't. Like I'm ready to be moved by you in a way that I can't normally be moved. (coughs) And that means that when I realize how holy and mighty you are, that I realize how sinful I am and I gotta confess. There's gotta be confession, right? But but also where there's joy, there's rejoicing. Where I realized how awesome something was that I, I could break into that praise break. I could I could dig giddy about it. I could smile about it, I, I could twirl, I twirl like a ballerina, letting dancers watch me for There you go. And that would only be weird if a 39-year-old man did it not know too old. Right? But also where there's where there's sorrow, there's there's praise. See, some of us do church like we do lunch, casually and unprepared. You don't like it this week, you try a new place next week. You did not like what you ordered this time, you, you might even order a different one the next time. We don't anticipate God's presence or God's way. We're unable to experience the presence of God because we haven't let him stir us up enough. Because we hope in our heart enough. Because we, we let our hunger be satisfied by something else. One thing I'll give Solomon through this whole thing, he don't ever get satisfied at all the stuff he's tried. He didn't try this, it didn't satisfy. He didn't, didn't try this, it didn't satisfy. He keeps on going until he finds it, right? <coughs> Let me encourage you to come and worship God. Maybe, maybe, you should, maybe this morning you should have prayed before we prayed. Right? Because if you prayed before we prayed, then when we pray, you're ready to pray. I'm serious. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm being dead serious. Maybe you should have slept a little extra last night so that you could come and Instead of falling asleep in church. Right? Maybe you should have read the Word before you come It Hey Mike, you've got to guess where I'm going. Right? Because if you read the Word before you come, then your heart might be soft to receive it when it gets preached a little bit. It. Right? Maybe if you came hungry, maybe if you came willing, maybe if you came expecting God to speak, maybe if you came anticipating an experience with the creator of the universe instead of just wanting a nice life. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what Solomon's realizing? A- another form for today might mean this. You ought, you ought, when he says you ought to guard your steps, maybe it's this time we realize we can't live one way on Sunday and live another way the other six days of the week. Meaning this, when you guard your steps, when it's are talking about your religious experience, so that Solomon ain't got a problem with you, maybe you shouldn't be a hypocrite. Maybe you shouldn't be faking it. Maybe he sat on that special seat and he looked out at people who was worshiping, pretending to worship at least, and he said, how in the world is that person doing that? No different than you think you cuss your wife out last night that you come worship God with you mouth this morning. Right? Or that driving experience no different than you think you can flip somebody off and now you can raise a hand and worship? You gonna worship God with the same mouth you cut somebody out with? You're going to raise a hand with the same? No, no, Pastor, we raise the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what some of y'all think, I think. If he took over your whole life, we're missing it. <clears throat> Every day. Solomon misses it because he thinks it's at this one place, this one time, but it's an all-time kind of God. 2 John, verse 6. He says, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. You want to love God? Walk the way he told you to walk. Get you a kingdom attitude. Colossians 1 verse 10. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people ask, How do I make God happy? How do, how do I please God? Well, it so says just obey his commands. It also says if you bear fruit and do good work, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. Alright? We live in a culture today, though. Here's the problem. Our culture today, we've got a low view of authority. Authority is lost its authority, you can put it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, right? Teachers. She said, she said, God was with her in the classroom this week. She probably needs God in the classroom every day. Amen. Amen. You imagine being a teacher to some of the kids out there now? Oh. And some of the kids we're talking about may be your kids. That's your problem. Because parents have lost their authority, too. <coughs> right? So teachers lost their authority, parents lost their authority, coaches have lost their authority, police officers have lost their authority, elected officials, all positions that used to be generally respected, now losing their authority. Maybe because they lost their authority is why we've got the wrong people in the positions now. Hmm. There's a for thought. I ain't trying to get in on that. But here's my worry is this. My worry is that if all these around are losing their authority, how long is it going to be before the church loses its authority? How long is it going to be before God loses his authority? How long is it before the church begins to carry the diminished view of what authority really is? When we say he's got authority over my life. You know, he sets up all this stuff in the world to give us an example on how it's supposed to be. So if we ruin all the examples he set up, how long is it going to be... Before what's actually supposed to be is ruined. Maybe we'll to to stop and consider how holy God is. Amen. How majestic he is. How awesome he is. And all those things. Maybe we need to remember that when we come into church, we come into his presence. When we pray in the house, when we open scripture, when we, when we worship. Let me show you how easy it is to creep in. Y'all ain't going to like this example, but God gave it to me, right? So I'm going to use it. This is how easy a lack of authority can creep in. Right? Part of having a reverential attitude toward God is coming to the house of God on time. Huh? Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't it only not a chat. Because I'm approving, it. Because you say, well, 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 being on time ain't exactly what really matters. Well, I bet if you was going to a ball game, you'd get there on time. I bet if I bought you tickets to the Super Bowl, which, by the way, the cheapest ticket at the Super Bowl this year is $4,000 right now. That's a nosebleed with a thing. But I bet you if I bought you that ticket, you'd be there early. I bet if you had a real flight, you'd make it early, so you made it through security so that you got to your destination. I bet if somebody famous called you and said, hey, will you just come over for dinner tonight? You'd be there on time. More or less, you make sure you were dressed right too, huh? I think sometimes we don't get to God's church on time if we want to be honest because we're lazy. Because we didn't make the right prayer. We stayed up late the last. Pastor, you don't understand. Saturday night's the only night I can stay up. You tell God whatever you want to tell God. You don't show up to work late. Not more than one or two times. They get rid of you, but I'm glad I don't get rid of us. Don't get me wrong, but I think a sign of respect might just be getting to his house on time. Uh-huh. Second point he makes: I keep going, but I, I want y'all to still like me a little bit at the end. Still in verse one, First part he says, "Here are your steps." Second part he says, "Go here and listen, rather than offer a sacrifice to of fools who do not know what they do is wrong." This is Solomon again. He's sitting back and he's looking. He's like, those guys that keep opening their mouth don't even know they're making a fool of themselves because they don't even know what they're doing. What's he saying? He goes, go here to listen. To listen. In other words, shut your mouth. Right? You ever notice how much we, we want to talk? If we have a conversation with somebody and you get somebody talking, we do want to talk because we want them to hear about us. We want to hear about them. Right? He's he's saying, that you go to listen, and the Hebrew word for listen is even cooler, man. It's like two words got married. And I'm not exaggerating. When you take this Hebrew word out here for listen, it means to take heed and to follow the will. So he's not just saying, I I, I want you to hear. I want you to listen. (laughs) The other day, we was in the store. We was trying. It was for Reese's birthday. So we was kind of in a rush. So I asked Paxton to, to run down to the other side of the store and check something out for me. It wasn't 30 seconds later, he done turned, he's walking in the direction I told him to walk, and he saw a video game. He was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I paused for a couple minutes, because I thought maybe he was just checking the crisis or something. So I'm sitting there with Reese getting his birthday gift. I'm sitting there with Crystal, and I look up, and I see he's now playing the video game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm shaking my head.
0: Reese out what I am shaking my head about, because he likes to listen and not to hear. Crystal realizes what I'm talking about, so she says, trying to save my little boy, Paxton, I think Daddy wanted you to go down the aisle and check something out. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So I walked past him, because I said, maybe it's an eye problem. Maybe he's got a special alien ability I don't know about, and he's got to see it to hear it. So I make sure I get in front of him this time. Say, son, how did it go down the aisle? How much were the dumbbells at the store? Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) it's <laughs> at that point I proceeded to choke dog's no, <laughs> there's a difference in hearing listen so forth with the Hebrew words. So it, it, it's like they, they took two words listen and obey and they married them together because there's no need to hear something if you're not going to obey what something works that's the way God's calling with this word so so you can say it this way to sum it up for your notice, to pay attention and obey Pay attention to what God's saying, but do so with the idea that you're going to obey whatever it is. You realize we, if we call him the head, and we the body, that means sometimes the body will do something that the head told it to do, whether the emotions wanted to or not. I thought about that this morning, right? Like sometimes the, the, the head is smart enough to control the body, but even if the emotions want it to do something else, the head tells the body to do whatever it is, and the body has to surrender to the head be like, okay, you know what I'm gonna do. Maybe maybe we'd get a lot more out of it if we just did what God told us to do and we'd start seeing more that way. James 1.22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. He says, if you just come to hear and have a nice experience and leave, you've deceived yourself. If you're not willing to do what it says you're supposed to do. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. The next verse it says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your hearts to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you're on earth. So let your word... Words. If you're, what's he saying about worship? He's saying, listen much and say little. Listen much and say little. One man said it this way. Him and his wife had words and he never got a chance to use it, of his. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if that's the way God feels. So go back to the flight experience. For those of you that have been on one, that poor lady called flight attendant, she has to do this thing every trip. She stands up there. She gives you instructions on saving your life. Vital information, vital information. This is how you put your mask on, make sure you put yours on before you put your neighbors on. Your seat cushion, if we crash into ocean, it is a flotation device. This is where the exits are. This is how you buckle your seatbelt. This is how you undo your seatbelt. She's given all these instructions, but I look around every plane ride I've ever been on. People's on their phone. People's on their tablet. People's shopping through luggage. they pulling out their snacks for the trip. They're they staring out the window of La La Land. Some of them praying that the plane don't crash. Some of them's already asleep. They're a soul paying attention. And I wonder since we talking about flight experience, and that's how the Lord feels. He's given all these instructions that are vital. Not only for a good flight, but vital to your survival. Yet we choose not to listen. Solomon sits and he watches these people not listening. He he talks about this, this mouth so much. I remember this one I think he's right. Solomon figured out we got a human tendency to speak without thinking. If you ain't never done it because you're so good you don't do it, you know somebody who has, who speak without thinking. And the problem is once they do that, they then got to speak again to cover up whatever they said without thinking. And they just keep on speaking. As y'all tell me, you just keep on digging the hole that you started digging. Some are saying, man, it's foolish to speak too much and to hear too little when you're in the presence of God. Sadly, when we come before God, our minds are so full of our own business, that we forgot we came to be about God's business. Some of y'all right now, you so worried about where lunch is going to be. you so worried about what workout you got to do this week. You're so worried about the plans. You're so worried about building this. You're so worried about your car. You're so worried about so many things. Some good things. Some of you are worried about your spouse. Some of you are worried about your children. You're worried about all kinds of stuff. And the last thing on your mind is God's business. That's why you'll have a nice flight and not a memorable flight. We come before God so full of hope is that I begin to talk like fools. Maybe we don't realize there's 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 a benefit to saying less instead of saying more, right? I I, I used to get used to get so upset I couldn't pray as long as some people. I, I, I really did. Like you I hear people talking about, man, I went to the house and I was at the house and I fell down and I prayed before the Lord for for thirty minutes another guy be talking about like it was an hour in and I was still praying so I went to the house and tried it about 5 minutes in I said Lord I'm going to fall asleep if we don't do more?" Yeah. <laughs> God I'm going to be gone if we don't try something different so I tried standing and praying I made it 10 minutes then, then I stretched it 15 then I realized I said man I'm doing the same thing I used to do when I wrote a paper in school I couldn't come up with no new ideas. I'm not smart enough. So I would use a lot of adjectives. You need a six-page paper? I'm going to tell you how awesome Cliff is. Cliff is very, 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 very awesome. He's a really, 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 really nice guy. I think he does a jam of job at just about everything he does, comma, because Cliff is such a very, 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 very nice guy. You think God wants to hear me talk about a bunch of adjectives when I'm talking to him? Then one day in that time, because part of your prayer time, I hope you understand the study of Scripture. I think God's got a great sense of humor. I didn't know where I was going to go one day. So so in studying Scripture, I just happened to be in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you know the story, you know exactly where I'm going. And there's this guy who's calling out these other guys who are calling on their God. They're at this mountain. And these guys, it says, and it describes, they prayed for hours. They prayed so long, Elijah began, I'm sorry, we're talking about another guy. right? this guy, this guy looked out at him and he said, hey man, maybe your guy fell asleep. You've been praying so long, maybe instead of you falling asleep, he fell asleep. And they kept on praying. Read the story and it's great because then he says, maybe your guy's sitting on the toilet. <laughs> he words it in Hebrew instead of English, but that's what he's saying. Maybe your guys relieving himself. Maybe he went to the bathroom and ain't made it back yet. <clears throat> These people still pray. It says that after hours, the sun, the light of the day has changed. They prayed so long, and it then says that this guy stood up and in a short, sweet prayer, holler out, shout out to the Lord. God father. Mm-hmm. It ain't always about the length as much as it is as the depth. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to be long-winded with the Lord, how about let's get deep-minded with the Lord? How about how about let's, let's understand what He's, he's really wanting to, to get at us. How much He's wanting for us. J. Edwin Orr used this, this brief advice talking about praying. And he said, especially in our meetings, this is what he writes, he said, when that one prays in the meeting for the first three minutes, everyone's praying with him. Should he continue to pray for a second three minutes, everyone then begins to pray for him. If he continues to pray for the third three minutes, everybody then starts to pray against him. <laughs> Might, be true. Might be true. Third thing we get from today. Ain't you glad we're only doing seven or eight verses? <laughs> third thing we get from today still in verse two. <laughs> Solomon continued. You ought to humble yourself before God. He said, This side of the sun approach. But even on this side of the sun approach, he understands. Like God is here and we are here. And make no mistake, he's not talking about distance, okay? He's talking about perspective. He's understanding at this at this moment right here that, that God is infinite. And I am not. Meaning this, here's what else he's understanding whether he writes it this way or whether he fully grabs a hold of it yet or not, he's saying that God hears the inaudible, God sees the invisible. God can penetrate the inaudible to human ears. And that's something I pray for you guys every week, by the way. I'm not joking. Uh, I pray when I get up, Lord, you make sure you make sure they hear what it is you want them to hear, not what I say. Because I'll definitely say it wrong. Some of y'all can tell me something. Man, I love what you said about da-da-da-da-da. I mean, I got to say that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm glad you liked it. But it wasn't my idea. I didn't say it at all. Here's the point. God is God and you ain't. Solomon understands, God is in heaven, we're, we're on earth, he is Lord, we're, we're his slaves, we, we're, we're his we bow before him, we fall before him, did you, did you hear the song, how perfect it was, Now when you fall, we, we get a little we, we keep getting more, we get as low as we gotta get, so that you high lift it up, it's like Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he experienced the presence of God. He bows before God. Here's what he says in verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah when he died, I saw the Lord seated on high in a lofty throne. And his robe filled the whole temple. Can you imagine seeing God the way Isaiah saw him? He's going to go forth in a verse two and talk about he was, he was high and lifted up. He was holy, holy, holy. <coughs> just, just understand. Because when you see God high, you, you understand how awesome he is. When you see God reigning in power and wisdom and love, it can only produce one, spot, one response, awe. You're just an awe. You know like when you see a big play Super Bowl Sunday's next week, right? When you see a big play, you just awe. But it's something that lasts longer than a catch or a throw. What? what great benefits of gaining a proper, this is really cool, this is really pretty, right? One of the great benefits of gaining a proper perspective of God is we not only see God on His throne, we begin to see the earth through God's eyes from His throne. Now what I mean by that is this, and, and try to follow me, when you see God with the right perspective, you get His perspective. M- meaning this, that what you thought was a mountain nothing to hold him. I'm telling you, when you begin to see things God's way, what seemed great and mighty in the world's eyes, seems small and insignificant in God's eyes. Well, what you thought was weak is now strong. You get into the presence of God and you see from the perspective of God, and you understand that what we thought was foolish actually becomes wise from God's vantage point. Like God's view is so different than our view. So so then here's your question. Make sure you write this one down. Have you looked at every one of your personal struggles and frustrations from God's (laughs) perspective? All the things you thought of today, yesterday, this whole week, everything that you struggled with, Every battle, every fight, every worry, every doubt, every fear. jot them down. And then go back to that list and say, look, from God's point of view, what does he see here? What does he experience here? If worship is a time when I come into the presence of God, that means worship is also a time when I see my difficulties from God's perspective. And I, and I believe we get his perspective, that makes all the difference in the world, right? When we encounter His very presence, we, we begin to see that. Verse three it says this. Maybe some of them had the same same tendency I got whenever I tried to pray for a real long time. Verse three basically saying, "Stop daydreaming, stop drooling." Now, look at what it says. I, I, I read it again. It's been a minute. Just as dreams accompany much labor, so a fool's voice comes with many words. He's saying, "How many people sit in church and think of everything with God?" He's daydreaming. He's drooling. You love all that, labor. right? He said, wake up! Wake up so it's not in vain. Pay attention so it's not in vain. As he wraps that section, then he flips verses 4 through 7, and he says, and while you're there, while you're thinking about it, because we know what happens when you start thinking about all these, these visions and futures and plans, how about keep your vows and fear the Lord the right way? But what does he say? Basically, he says, this word that keeps getting used: the sacrifice of fools. He's saying that hasty speech and broken promises is the sacrifice of fools. He's saying don't keep the sacrifice of fools. Offer you're offering empty promises to God. <coughs> and we've got this same idea because religion says you owe God. That's what religion says. So if you think that, that means if I worship God perfectly, He'll have to accept me. Here's what the gospel says. The gospel says I am perfectly accepted by God because of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Now I'm free to worship him in the way he desires. Amen. See the difference? It changes your perspective, changes everything. Now, I do want to encourage you to avoid the, the temptation of deal-making prayer. <clears throat> Y'all know what deal-making prayer is, right? They say, God, I promise you, if you give me this new job, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm not going to drink no more as long as you give me the job. Because here's what happens: you get the job and you have to drink to celebrate. Mm. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> thank you, God. Cheers. Appreciate it. Deal with. God ain't looking for you to make deals with him. Right? Now, he, he vows your promises and all that. <laughs> what about other vows we make? How about the sacredness of keeping the marriage vows? We seem to destroy those. Right? are those not made in his presence? Well, Pastor, most people get married outside the church now. But now I'm a, I'm a flip Solomon's idea that he's everywhere. Right? We, we treat our vows, whether it be marriage or not, we treat our vows like a food order. I didn't like that, I'm going to get me a different one. I'm going to go to a different place. Like upgrading your car. Well, I'm tired of it. I don't like the way it drives no more. Huh? I don't like the way she purrs no more. Well, maybe she can't purr because you don't know how to crank her up no more. <laughs> now I'm talking about marriage. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> if we want to get real, let's get real, right? <laughs> well, things change. I, I didn't sign up for that. I anybody ask you what you signed up for. Systems have to be Well you don't understand. The paint's falling off. Well you better put your paint job on it. It's running a little rough when well, you better get all a motor upgrade. You understand what I'm saying? You in for life, man. <coughs> she ain't hurting right no more. <laughs> <laughs> Psalm chapter 15. Verse 4. Talking about God, David writes, God honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps His oath even when it hurts. God honors those who fear Him, who keep their oath even when it hurts. How are you doing with your promises you made with God? How are you doing with vows and commitments that you make? Gosh, I didn't really want to get up. It's not in my comfort level, even when it hurts. Well, I really don't want to give my money away to that guy because I don't really, I don't really want to take one of them envelopes. I, I don't even like the Puerto Ricans. I don't know why we're going to <laughs> do it until it hurts. Right? be honest, you don't like the Africans or the Hondurans or anybody else either. Anytime somebody asks for money, you don't like it. It's amazing. Right? Let's just get real about it, right? Hmm? Can't say amen, say out. Deuteronomy 23, 23. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you made a vow freely to the Lord your God with your own vow. God takes our vows seriously. Seriously. We make promises to Him. You can almost say this, and I'm, I'm going to go into two different dangers. It's a dangerous thing to come into a worship experience with God. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to stand before God and make a promise to the woman of your dreams and tell God, I'm going to do this until death do me part. It's dangerous. Because it's going to be rough. It's a dangerous thing to stand before God and to promise I'm going to present these children. I'm going to vow and instruct them to the Christian faith. I'm going to lead them in Christian. Life. I'm going to dedicate their raising to the best of my ability to do this thing through your word. That's dangerous. Because if you ain't doing it, somebody's going to call you out. It's dangerous to make a covenant. Somebody told me last week after talking my that they made a covenant with somebody in the room. They made a promise. How are they going to relate to the other person? It's dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. dangerous to pray and make a commitment to God. It's dangerous to say, let me give you some of the songwriters we sing today. You, 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 want, you want to talk about worship? Let's go back to, let's go back to music then. It ain't all about music, but that's a part of it. You sing the song, yes I will. You say, God, I will lift you high. Man, that's dangerous. God, I will bless your name. About life smacks you in the mouth. It's dangerous. I will choose to praise and glorify the name of all names. It's dangerous. You know all this stuff's dangerous because when you make a promise and a covenant and a vow like that before Almighty God, He's holding to it. Right? He ain't playing no games. (coughs) The the Spirit of the Living God. We're leaning into all you are. I got a quote in a minute. I'm going to ask you about if you lean it in to all He is. God's big. A lot of different ideas there. Lean into all you are. We fall on our knees. We fall at your feet. Some of y'all know the first thing you want to do is get up and run. You want to try to make sure you're higher than Him. How about the song we're going to sing to close? Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. It's all. About you. Just add the question. Is it really? Is it really? Is it really all about Him? It's dangerous. It's dangerous to vow and give a certain amount to God and then default. Look at verse 6. We're going to take it deeper than the superficial meaning there. But in verse 6, I think the teacher, the the preacher, who calls himself at the beginning of this, this journal, he's referring to a vow that people made. Maybe to, to, to help the kingdom treasury out. You know, they, they made a vow. I'm going to give X amount. I'm going to do X amount. I'm going to supply X amount. And really they failed to come through. Now, now, here's the school where you study stuff. This one ain't exactly in the verses. But when you make a vow like that back in the day and you fail to come through, the, the priest or some other message is coming to your house. And going ask you about it. What would happen today if we started coming to people's house and asking them about vows they made that they didn't come through? Might it be if we could do it in the right way what God would actually prefer? Maybe some of us just need a little reminding. Hey, you said you was going to love everybody. I don't see no love coming. You said you was going to live for him. This is what I'm seeing. Right? The teacher says that God isn't a fool by your games. Look at his word. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Well, to what he's saying to this. What are you doing? What are you saying that your hands ain't matching up to? That you got God so bad now he just wants to destroy it. It's a dangerous thing to make promises to God. I'm not telling you not to make promises to God. I'm telling you to think about it before you do. I'm telling you to make sure it's right. I'm telling you to, what he's he say? Guard your steps. Listen to his word. Make sure you keep your promise. Don't be a deadbeat worshiper. You sum it all up that way. Church is full of deadbeat worshipers. That's what we got, right? Then he, then he gets on this, this idea, I think. Verse 6 is, is going to transition him into this, this next thing. But, but here's, here's something I want to make sure you get. Worship is about giving. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 16, 16 through 17. It says, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. And the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks, the feast of tabernacles, no man should appear before God empty handed. (coughs) You know what he's getting at? Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. You know what he's getting at? We come to church to get all the time. What would happen if we came to church to give? I ain't just talking about money. Yes, it includes the offering, and I do believe in the basic principle, of tithing, and all that stuff. But anybody wants to get on, I think y'all to do it joyfully. I think it's an expression of your worship. I think it's part of your worship. But in the same way, the worship ain't all about singing. I don't think giving is all about tithing. Right. Giving is a character. It's an attitude of the heart. It, it's the idea that when you come into the house of God, it's the one place that you're not coming to get. You come in to give. You come in to offer. I'm off my time. I'm off my I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to surrender. Surrender what? My thoughts, my heart, my sin. I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to celebrate Him and His joys and His blessing. I'm coming to give Him my very life. So that when I do, I go out in the world and I give the world what it is that He wants to give them through me. It's signing up to join the help and all. I, I never even asked the ladies, Megan and Celeste, like, How many people signed up after they did their their video thing? Was it two weeks ago, I think, or two weeks ago, whatever it was? But I heard so many people talking about the stats in the videos. Man, that's crazy. Man, that's insane. Rather than talking about the stats, how about put your name on the sheet? You know what I'm saying? Like rather than worry about the stats, how about you worry about fixing the stats? How about you worry about being a, a resolution to the problem rather than just watching the problem? The problem is we like to watch problems instead of solve problems. Because we're drama queens. we like, you just see it all and keep it all going, rather than getting old and solve it, right? Man, we, we ought to have had, matter of fact, they should have had to make an announcement. They hadn't already, I ain't, I, we're not going to fudge the thing. They should have had to make an announcement the very next week that said, please stop signing up for Kids Having. We can't take no more volunteers. We got so many. We got so many volunteers that people who wanted to do it every month now only get to do it once every six months. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't see that problem, though. Hmm. We vowed to help where we want to help and not maybe where the Lord wants us to help. How about that? Then then he gets to verse 8 after thinking about all this giving. Talking about a a change. 8 through (laughs) 17 talking about this giving. must have got Solomon thinking more about money, right? Because he backtracks to like some people who got money to give through oppression. But then he elaborates a little more. Y'all gonna think I'm crazy, but I think Biggie, I think Biggie was studying Ecclesiastes when he wrote a song. Y'all don't know who Biggie is, y'all just hang with us generation for just a little bit longer, right? He got this song called More Money, More Problems. Right? I think he was listening to Don't listen to the song. (laughs) Biggie was from the south side of Judah. And anyway, when he wrote the song, he had some South Side language. But in the song he says this, he says the more money I get, the more problems I got. And he repeats the theme throughout with some other stuff. Anybody who's heard that song, you shouldn't right now. I'm going to that, I'm already with that. Boy. More money, more problems. But Solomon writes 8 through 17, I'm not going in to preach 8 through 17, one reading at a time, two reading with the Lord wanted for a day. 8 through 17, and he, he's coming off of this, this idea of worship, and then goes into this idea of, of, of money, of what's been blessed, and then he, he's not even talking about in the church anymore. He's not talking about what people do in the world with it. And he's saying they think if they got all this, it was going to be better, it was going to be nicer, it was going to be greater. But then he writes, he goes, I've got a lot of it, and all I got is more stress. I look at so-and-so who's got more of it, and they've they just got more problems. You ever realize? <laughs> Henry Ford said he was happier when he was a normal mechanic. I bet as a mechanic back in the, whatever year that was, he probably was making pennies on the hour. You're talking about a millionaire saying he's happier when he's making pennies on the half on hour. Right? Rockefeller. Rockefeller said he'd have done better to have never got all the money he got. He's a, he's a Madonna. said, don't let the show fool you. It is just a show. Can you imagine people with all this fame and all this success, and that's their response to what we would consider what makes them happy? More money, more problems. I think as Solomon transitions here, what's what's in his brain, at least in my mind at this moment, is and it's almost like it's almost like whoever inspired him to write scripture knew the future. I don't, I don't know, that nice <laughs> and crazy to you, right? Like whoever inspired Solomon. To write these words right now, also knew what we would be living in right now. Because he transitions from the church to the money-making schemes of the world. Ouch. Right? He says if you've developed this idea that you can make money in it, you've missed it. If you think... You corrupt all these vows and promises and cover it up by finances, you've missed it. And then he goes in and says, if you think you can be blessed with it, but not go out in the world and share it with people, you've missed it. And he sits on his seat and he looks at these people, maybe even as they exit, and he sees how they don't do nothing to help the world outside. And there's where he goes into oppression and those with money. Then he wraps this whole thing up, 18 through 20. I told you I wasn't going to preach 8 through 17. You ought to have to have a big one. 18 through 20, he closes. He says this in verse 18 It's good and fitting for one to eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. (laughs) This is how sad this thing gets, man. He goes through it, he almost gets it. He almost gets it. (coughs) He realizes the people of the church are missing it. So he can almost have got it. But he got sidetracked on this money and the way people were handling it. Some experiences he even had. And he said, here's what I've seen that's actually good. you got a lot of money to buy you something to eat. You've got the ability to buy you something to drink. You've got the ability to experience the good. This side of the sun." Solomon's saying, he's, he's got to speak it honest. Of course it ain't better to be broke. It is nice to have some money. Maybe he's simply hoping that these people will be able to make the best of a bad situation. He's saying, at least you gotta use and try what you got. And the first time I read it and caught it, I'm like, man, that's good. Like he understood, like be satisfied with what you got. But then I realized he's talking this side of the sun. So what he's saying is, your only happiness if you look at life through this side of the sun is gonna be what you got right now. And I promise you, your clothes is gonna fade. The cars going to break down. The new house is going to get old. The grass is going to grow. The grass is going to die. He goes into all the stuff he's already mentioned through Ecclesiastes, and he realizes what you got right now, if this is your total sum of happiness, that sucks. Right? right? That's a miserable thing to look for. And some of you go through that nice flight experience, and Solomon sits back in he looks and says, well, that. That sucks if that was it <laughs> yep, You ever see a little kid after they fly for the first time? Huh? Think back, think back. I maybe you can think back to your first flight. My first flight is closed. I wasn't excited about the flight. I was excited. I was flying for the very first time to go propose to my wife. And then I was super excited when we flew back because that meant we could get married. Which meant other stuff. But, from the flight idea of a kid, you watch him when he gets on the plane. He's excited. Especially if he gets there, like he's probably going to get there just a little bit early, and he gets to look in the cockpit. That pilot's proud, you know. Oh, little kid wants to, wants to grow up and be a pilot. Be <coughs> he sees me, so he takes him in there and shows him all the buttons and gives him the, the little wings. <coughs> they made the trip, they land safely. Kid gets off the plane, he's running around telling everybody about it. That flight was so cool, man! We was in the clouds! was here. The guy beside me fell asleep. I don't know how he fell asleep because it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced. The lady over here was snacking on chips. Like he's remembering every detail of the trip. He's excited about it. He's crazy about it. And if there was, somebody else said earlier you need to just pray for a good flight. If there was a bad portion of the flight, he says, and the turbulence. (laughs) It was like a roller coaster. It was so crazy. We was here, and then we was here, and then we was back here. <laughs> but then he remembers, but that pilot, that pilot brought us into a smooth, great landing. Or it was a rough landing. And he tells everybody, but we made it. How come we don't think church was the same excitement how can a kid be that excited about a way of transportation? And we don't leave church excited to tell people the same stuff. Should have heard what the song said. Let me tell you how it made me feel. I've never raised my hand in worship, and when I opened my eyes, my hands were in there. And it was scary. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> then, I, then I opened my other eye, and everybody was staring at me, because I was still worshiping, but the song was over. I noticed my feet were moving. I, got, I don't even know. Could you imagine getting to tell the people about the experience? How about like, like, as he was preaching, I got super excited about this part, but, but then he hurt my feelings here. But then he picked me back up here, and, and then, then he hurt my feelings again. They made me feel bad. But then I looked over at my buddy who I used to do that <coughs> stuff with, and he felt bad too, so we were together again. Right? <laughs> Like, how come, we don't, how come we don't talk church with the excitement? The good and the bad guys, right? you going to tell me meeting with the God of the universe, the man who created it all, isn't exciting? It's not worthy. It's not It's not amazing. you going to tell me that this is for me, man. When I used to when I used to get on the field, before I ran out, I would look, Mom and Dad always had this one seat, that little, that little green and gold section at Summerville Stadium, right? Except we played on real grass. We did had have an astral term like you guys now, boy. Hey, right? Hey. right? Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a little jealous. Okay. jealous. We also didn't have a Bogotron and a really cool entrance with Bane and all that cool stuff y'all got going on in it, right? But anyway, I look up and I make sure my Mom and Dad saw me. If I did something wrong, I'd never look up again. <laughs> but if I did something right, knock somebody down or score a touchdown or whatever, I'd look up again. Is that that's a football game? That was 20 years ago for me. The days is over. I, I got to stretch 20 minutes before I can walk out the room out the door now, right? Like whole <laughs> different, <all> different, atmosphere <laughs> what, what about our Father in Heaven? Is it not awesome to be able to tell somebody? Can you imagine? I challenge one of y'all. Go to lunch today and tell somebody, man, you won't believe this. The God who created everything, he sat on his throne today and he listened to me sing. Right? Is that not crazy? I I don't, any of you guys sing before the president? True famous? What about the governor? And you ever present you sing for the governor? Well aren't you just highlighted? That's how you feel. I was in high school. Just make you feel good, that was it? That's like a nice flight? That's all that's why you did? <laughs> that's why you're never asked to do it again right there. <laughs> how, many you ever, how many of you got to perform? How love the dancers back there. Dancers, how many of you guys got to perform for somebody famous? Oh, look, would you have to ask her? Chloe, Chloe, a dance mom from the show. Oh! How do you make feel? Cool. <laughs> why is the preacher talking to me? We sat in the back, so we didn't know. We don't really understand what's going on right now. why I sign it for a Mitch Miller? You know the bouncing ball? Who's Miss Phillip? Ask your mom and dad. Here's a famous con- oh, a conductor. <laughs> yes. My dad ain't got a clue. <laughs> you said ask my mom and dad. I promise you right now everything that's in my pocket and in my truck. My dad ain't got a clue who that I man is. <laughs> football or doing baseball, my dad might know. But he was conducting music, my dad ain't got yeah, yeah, he, he that make you feel good? TV show, he had a ball. I'm rolling, does it make you feel good? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Better than the governor? Yeah, because he was more famous. More, oh, more famous, ah. Guys, you speak, you perform. Should be a performance when we call it. Once. Yeah. Before an Almighty God, Creator of everything you look at, every yeah. yeah. yeah, day, yeah. does it not bring joy to your heart? Yeah. Is it not yeah. cool yeah. Enough for you, right? <clears throat> we, we well, here's what we need. I think here's the difference. I never understood. Why did not that? Quote, sorry. I, I never understood what the big talk was of a tornado. A group of South Carolina, that, right? Never been nowhere else. We get hurricanes, right? Hurricane is the baddest thing on the planet, right? You talk about the power of wind and the power of water all at the same time, right? That's some bad stuff. I watched tornadoes in movie. I watched Twister twelve times. I don't know how many times I watched it, right? You can watch Twister eleven or twenty five times. You can hear people talk about it. You can watch it on TV. If you ain't never experienced the tornado. You ain't got a clue! Amen. So the Lord thought I needed a clue. So a few years ago, there was a kid the snow that he dropped one down over there. My mother-in-law's property don't even look the same because of how much he dropped it down over there. Right? He's trying to wake her up. Anyway, But it came right through my backyard as well. And still to this day, I can walk to the corner of my yard and I can look at a pack of trees that's just demolished. <clears throat> Look, look, looks like a looks like grass that a little kid would do is just walk out the way. That that's the potential power behind the storm. So now every time somebody even talks about a tornado, I'm like, ooh, that's a bad that's a bad thing, right? Some of y'all and I laugh at it too because so I ain't never leaving my house, but we laugh at people who run away from these hurricanes. Oh, they're overreacting, they're crazy, da 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 da. If you experience what maybe some of them experienced during a hurricane, or during a tornado, maybe it would have the same effect on them, Right? When you've experienced the power, it has an effect on it. Here's what Haley's reading the... the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know the line of the witch in the wardrobe. What's the name of the series? Chronicles of Narnia. Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia, thank you. So we watched the movie because she's... She's up to through the first one, into the third, or she's in the third one. The Lion, which is the wardrobe. Anyway, Mr. Beaver. I forgot about this part of the movie. Mr. Beaver describes this, this asthma He's a lion, but he's like representative of God, okay? you never seen it. It's, it's good. It's good. When he finishes, Lucy says this. He's describing... The, the majestic, you know, being the, the, that Aslan is and, and this lion guy and all. I me, mean, just just awesome, right? He's going on on. And Lucy says, is he safe? I had to go back and, and copy <laughs> it to get it right. Mr. Bieber says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. I tell you this. He's a good human. This is our God. I'm not inviting you. I'm not making sure you know that God is safe. But I'm making sure you know that he's good. Right? I, I really believe at every, every location, every church, every church. So there to be a sign out front that says, beware of the God. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm not joking. Not. I'm saying I'm being dead serious. Because we ought, to, we ought to warn people, this is the most dangerous place in the world. Yeah, I won't tell the insurance company that. <laughs> right? This is the most dangerous place in the world. Because you can't come here and experience God without Him changing <clears throat> things up in your life. Amen, amen. And that's dangerous. You can't come here and make vows before Him and Him not hold you accountable for it. It's dangerous. You can't come here and say, I give you my all. You can't come here and say, Jesus, you're the center of everything. You're the center of my life. And not make him so. Because if you vow that, that dangerous God, he's going to hold you to it. But he's a good God. He's a good God. Meaning this, that yeah, yeah, the change is dangerous, but it also means he's going to give you the strength to do so. He's going to supply your needs to make it happen. He's going to give you the ability to withstand the storms. If you've experienced the power of his storm, you're not ever worried about another storm. Right? Your perspective is changing because you're seeing things through his view now. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord. God, I thank you that Solomon had that experience. But God, I pray we take it further than Solomon, Lord. Lord, I pray that we not just sit contemplate think about how many people are missing it, Lord God? Getting it wrong, Lord God. But we learn from Solomon's writing, God. God, we, we claim, Lord God, to your word. God, we consider, we think, before we come into your presence. We prepare ourselves for the flight. God, we think before we make a vow before you. Because of how important, how significant, how mighty that vow is. And God, I thank you that if we're willing to make the vow, you're willing to provide the strength for us to fulfill the vow. God, strengthen your people in this church. Strengthen your people. Strengthen the believers, Lord God, in this world. God, may it be when others see us that they know the power we possess because it's you we represent. God, may we have other people watching like Solomon, Lord God, and they have to write a whole different kind of journal. Because we're the real deal. Because we're living it, Lord God. God, I expect you to, to do something mighty through your word. Because it's promises that if we preach it, they can't return back the same way, Lord God. So hold you to it. In your name we pray.